With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 1012 podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our day two coverage from Big 12 Media Days. Yes, our, it is myself and uh, my good friend here, Christine Butterfield, joining us again. Christine, uh, how was uh, day two for you overall? Day two was great. I came in with, you know, a really good mindset. And then we'll probably talk about this in a second, but there were some technical difficulties. There was some weather conditions that stopped certain people from being here, and that kind of kind of played with me a little bit. I mean, you can just say it was the most Kansas thing Kansas could possibly do, which was <laughs> not actually get to be here today. If it was going to happen to anyone, it was going to happen to Kansas. Of course. Like, don't get it twisted. I was like, oh, wow, this is typical Kansas. And then they were on via Zoom, and I was just like, oh, we're doing this still? Which... Kansas made, media made it, but uh, the Kansas coach Kansas and the players uh, could not. Now, they were available. Um, they did. Leipold did do his, uh, his presser over Zoom. Um, they did have a nice a TV screen that froze multiple times set up that you could talk with, with both players and, and the head coach. Now, look, I'm going to be honest. We didn't do a lot with Kansas because nobody wants to talk about Zoom. Um, so why don't we just do this? I, I will get my Leipold thoughts out of the way here real quick before we dive into the press. Because I, I did go and sit um, during his, his breakout for a little bit. And my big takeaway from Leipold was this. It's been a long time, I think, since you could say that Kansas had somebody that you felt like was a, an actual human being and not a sales pitch, not a, okay, we'll see how this goes. That is a guy who, if you didn't know what his background was, you would say, this is a guy who knows how to build a program, actually understands what it takes. And I feel has about as good a shot as anybody else does of maybe doing that here at Kansas. And of course, what we know about Leipold is he's won multiple Division III national championships. I mean, he's had success at Buffalo, uh, which is not a team, folks. Buffalo is not a good football program. That he won there is amazing. Now look, that doesn't mean that he's immediately gonna be successful at Kansas, but I, my big takeaway from him was, it didn't, it didn't feel slimy. It didn't feel like a sales pitch. It didn't feel like, okay, well, thanks for the, co- the football speak. Like, yes, he said some very football coach things, but it came across rather genuine. And I, I felt good about where Kansas is in a really, really – I'm saying good, not in the sense of, like, they're suddenly going to win six games this year, but, like, with everything they've dealt with, with less miles and this tumultuous offseason and everything going on there, like, I, I, I am in a, okay, let, let's see what he can do here. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see what Kansas does moving forward. I – I was disappointed that Leopold couldn't be here because he is a new head coach, but another new head coach was here today, and that was Texas's new coach in Sarkisian or Sarkisian? Sarkisian. Sarkisian. Good old Sark. I'm just going to say Sark. Everyone says that. No one, no one says his full name. We all just say Sark. Yeah, so Coach Sark got up there, and it was very interesting to listen to him today. He initially started talking about the alumni, and I thought to myself, oh, he knows where 
where that check is coming from, and he knows the right way to kind of integrate them into the conversation, which shows how he is aware of what really is his position as a head coach. And he kind of even went into that a little bit and said, you can't accept all a part of the job. You have to accept all of the job and everything that comes with it. And I think a little bit of that was kind of included in the Texas head coaching job where he has to accept all of the job, meaning you have to accept the fact that you are going to be hearing a lot from the Texas alumni. And I think that he's done a great job of handling that and handling his new players by saying he's not really concerned about where they were. He's not concerned about what Tom Herman did. He's moving forward with this team in a different direction, and we're going to see if he can kind of get them back to their former glory. I mean, look, if Stark did anything, he, he it was a whole lot of coach speak. Let's just be honest. It was a whole lot. If you had a bingo card of the most coach speak things that could be said at Big 12 Media Days, he might have filled the card up by himself. Winning is hard, right? Winning is hard. Yes, we know winning is hard. We absolutely know that. Uh, we're building a team. You mentioned the word team to the point that... Here was the exact quote. Yes. Winning is hard. Winning takes work. Winning takes grit and great teamwork. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's a bingo right there, folks. That is a bingo right there. B-I-N-G-O. Woo. Um, look, I think the only thing I want to take away with this is... is and I didn't sit on his breakout. There was like a thousand people over there. Shocker. He did talk about the quarterback battle a little bit. You know, he said, uh, quote, when I took over the job, I gave everybody a clean slate, the quarterback position, with two fantastic players in Casey and Hudson Card. And I went through spring practice, and, and we've had a chance to visit. But I didn't feel like 15 practices was enough to name a starter in a brand-new scheme. And I think he's right. I don't know what to take away from, from his press conference today as far as what to expect from Texas this year. He didn't want to talk about Oklahoma. He didn't want to talk about expectations. He danced around any question and never gave a direct answer. And I guess I don't know what I was expecting from from Sark in his first press conference as the head coach of Texas. Um, He didn't pull a Tom Herman and try and prove that he was the smartest guy in the room. And he didn't say anything asinine, which is all good things. And we can we can poke fun at winning is hard all we want, and it's silly. But it's, it's not, you know, not knowing who your best players on your roster are and basically admitting as much. So I, I will give him as pretty much the way I've been the whole time is a wait and see. If I had to grade his performance here, we should have been grading performances. Why did I not think of that yesterday? Because I was exhausted. Uh, I give it a B minus. Like, it wasn't bad. I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to go home and, and show Mommy my score, but it was a B minus. Yeah, you know, it's something that he he didn't stick out negatively or positively in a way. He just kind of remained average. He didn't say anything wrong. He didn't say anything that was mind-blowing by any means. He just kind of stayed in the middle of the pack. He kind of reminds me of how Lincoln Riley usually is, keeping everything pretty close to the chest, not allowing the media or the public or the fans to know about anything that's happening in the program, but somehow still finding a way to give a long-winded answer. So I, I'll give it to him. You know, he did the coach speak very well as a head coach, and this was kind of his first appearance doing that. So I think he handled the situation well. I'd probably give him maybe a B, actually. I want to give him a B minus. But again, yeah, I'm not, I'm not writing home about it by any means. No. Nor am I going to write about it. If i got to write about stuff for Land Grant, uh, we'll, I'll write about Matt Wells, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, the other new coach today... I say new. It is year two for Dave Aranda, but this is his first Big 12 media days. Obviously, got canceled last year, the virtual one. But this is his first real in-person uh, media days, and it's the first time a lot of us have really had a chance to listen to Aranda. And let me just say, 
I did not sit in his breakout. I mostly sat with, through Matt Wells, and I, and I sat through some of my poll. All I wanted to do was put my phone away, sit with my listening ears on, and just listen to Dave Aranda talk, talk about football, philosophize about football. I, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever had a coach where you're just like, I just want to hear what the guy has to say. He is the least what you would think of as a head football coach of anyone I've, I've ever listened to is there's, there's just not a lot of, there's no ego there. There's no sales job. It's just a guy who seems like he really loves football and wants to talk about it. And I was, in, I came away incredibly impressed by Dave Aranda. And look, we, we bash Baylor on here a lot. I know it's a big podcast. I say nice things about Baylor. I say bad things about Baylor. But if Dave Aranda came and sat in my living room and tried to get me to come be a football player at Baylor, I would... I would very seriously listen to him. Just the way he speaks about football is so intriguing, and you know it's just an innate love. And I think, to your point of not sounding like a head coach, I feel like it's because he's not trying to be some PR-savvy head coach. He's just sitting there as himself wanting to discuss the thing he loves, which is football, and that's coaching football. And you can tell that he just loves his kids, and he even kind of went into the quarterback battle that's happening down in Waco with Blake, Jacob, and Gary. He gave specific answers to what each of them needs to work on. Blake, for example, needs to work on understanding the offense, the language, and feeling more comfortable. Also, his ability to respond. And then growing in his confidence. He thought that Jacob needed to increase his accuracy for long balls, increase his leadership and his voice on this team. And Gary, he gave another very specific answer in saying you need to drop back passes, get a quick rhythm in the passing game, and just make sure that he gets the ball off on time. And But he says that these players know what they need to work on. He appreciates that from them. And so you see these instances where he's being completely transparent with the media, and you can tell that he's transparent with his athletes because they know what they need to work on in order to maybe get that chance to be the starting quarterback this season. And he even went on to talk about how good of a big defensive conference he believes the Big 12 is. He said that he sees the Big 12 as a defensive conference, he pointed out. Oh, my heart. I was like, I said, oh my gosh, he is saying all these things today. He, he said, look at Coach Patterson and how long he's been doing defense for TCU. And he even pointed out Oklahoma and said, look at their success and their commitment to the defense. Look at Iowa State and how they had the courage to be different and do what fit. He gave examples of these three different schools that he feels like are really coming forward in their defense and are showing that strength that a lot of people think in the Big 12 is underrated or, you know, like feel like the Big 12 isn't a defensive conference, but we're seeing them take those strides year after year after year. And I think that Dave Aranda is just going to be a bigger example of that. I mean, look, you talked about the, the Big 12 changing offensively from a, from a 10 person personnel or 10 personnel to 12. Like, the guy wanted to talk football. He wanted to talk about how their offensive is and then he is changing to a run-based one with the ability for play-action passing. He's, quote, a lot can come alive when a solid run game is established. Like, the guy just wanted to talk football and talk about his team. That, the quarterback answer he gave was the most just like revealing and actually interesting answer anyone gave about their quarterback today. I mean, we'll talk about what Gundy said about Spencer Sanders in a minute, but it was just the most, like, of the quarterback battles. I, I came away with it going, okay, that's that's... It's, it's so authentic and real. I just, man, 
Dan Miranda won me over. He, he immediately became one of my favorite coaches in the Big 12 and someone I just want to listen to and want to talk to and, and want to hear about football from. Because, I mean, that guy just wants to talk football, and it's it's incredible. He kind of reminds me of Chris Beard in that fashion. I feel like he talks about basketball the same way that Dave Miranda talks about football. There you go. I've never, I've never talked to Chris Beard, so I don't know. Oh, well, he's great. He always, he's very kind of X's and O's kind of guy. Like, he loves discussing basketball and loves discussing everything he's got going on there. And the few times I've been able to kind of be in a post-game press conference with him, he's been very transparent with his answers, too, and not a lot of coach speak from him, or at least as much as <laughs> basketball coaches try to keep that away. So they kind of remind me a little bit of each other. Christina with the Big 12 basketball knowledge, that's, uh, that's going to be useful in the future. Um, speaking of Gundy, Gundy, Gundy. Gundy, Gundy and his charming, charming self. I mean, first I mean, of all, I think we need to please, talk about You need his, to dive in. We you need, need to talk to about his mullet. The mullet's gone. It is officially put to bed. It's been trimmed. It's back and clean. It's gone now. He did say, you know, he told his stylist that, uh, that <laughs> who I had actually talked to for an interview like two years ago, and then we never ran it, and I, I'm no always way. sad about it. Yes, yeah, very nice lady, very nice lady. Um, but he told her, like, I, he doesn't want to have to get a haircut before the end of the football season. Um, but like Samson regrew his hair to, you know, in, in the biblical story, it sounds like Gundy's mullet will probably be back by the end of the season, which... As the growth mullet grows, we That's might just see Oklahoma State continue to improve. I'll be keeping a close eye on if there's any correlation between Gundy's uh, hair growth and uh, how OSU performs on the field by the end of the year. That's exactly what I was thinking. I, I was thinking, okay, there's a change to my Gundy's hair. Does that mean there's going to be a change in the program this season and how they kind of respond to different teams? And as we see his hair grow, are we going to see a steady improvement with the Oklahoma State football team? Let's just hope they start on a high point and not, not like a low point where Very they have true. to Very true. I don't want to see exponential growth. No, no, no. I, I want to see just... steady incline. Yes, steady incline from a high point to begin with. Um, he did talk about Spencer Sanders. And look, the big thing to me for Oklahoma State this year, you you know the defense should be solid again. Biggest question there is corner. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez said that they felt good about the guys in the cornerback room. We'll have to see if anybody can step up and replace Darius Williams, who was their lockdown last year. But... On offense, Gundy talked about basically a running back by committee, which is not something you see at Oklahoma State very often. And in the years past when that has happened, it has not been very good seasons. I'm, I'm working on that right now to put out from Land Grant Gauntlet of a story about comparing, like, how has OSU's success been compared to what have they had in the running back room? Now, he's talking about guys who could have, you know, four to five guys who could do 10 carries a game as opposed to one guy who's got to do 18 to 20. I, I will be intrigued to see that. He said they do not have a premier wide receiver this year. It is a, there's a lot of guys in that room. Brendan Presley is back. Uh, they mentioned Tay Martin and how well he develops this year as the second year in the program after transferring from Washington State. They've got the Green, twin, uh, green Twins who transferred in or, or who, uh, who are part of this recruiting class. Uh, they've got a lot of young guys. He says there's no premier wide receiver. Will there be one by the end of the year? It, it wouldn't shock me if it's Brendan Presley at all. Um, Braden Johnson and other guys back. So you don't have a Tylen Wallace. So as Gundy says, you don't have a Chuba Hubbard. That puts that much more pressure on Spencer Sanders. And Gundy says that Sanders, this spring, has, has has developed more than he did the first two years in the program. It's his first year with the same offensive coordinator and same quarterback coach since he got to Stillwater. That would make sense, plus a full offseason with them after COVID wrecked last year. I think Oklahoma State season rests on the shoulders of Spencer Sanders. And, and, and you kind of sat in on his press conference. He seemed comfortable and, and confident this year. He seemed very confident, 
Spencer Sanders this year. And, I mean, Spencer Sanders even talked about the offense a little bit. He said that he is going to be missing having a wide receiver like Tylen Wallace, someone that can just <laughs> grab any ball. Like he, he stated it flat out. He was like, yeah, that's just a perfect guy to have in your back pocket that you can always go to. But he did even say that there's a lot of wide receivers that they can pick from. He didn't say that he felt more confident about one over the other at this point, but he did say that there is a good amount of talent there that he feels confident moving forward. And they have a lot of running backs this season, too, that they can just pull out. And Mike Gundy even talked a little bit about L.D. Brown specifically. And he said that L.D. Brown is great for, you know, like a few couple drives. But he can start to get some tear on his body. And that shows in the way he's producing. You know, later in the game, if he runs, if he has too many carries, it weighs on him. And he can't get as many yards as he was when he was fresher. So... Mike Gunny says that they're going to be rotating a lot in the running back unit, and I think that's only going to help them as, you know, that's kind of one of those positions that's like a car. It depreciates over time, and you want to get the most out of those players when you can. Yeah, Like I said, four to five guys. I'll be interested to see that. Offensive line is a big thing for Oakland State as well this year. I mean, look at it. They had three guys who were either starters or contributors out before the season started. You lost two starters in the opener. So that's five guys down before you even got to the second game. And he, he said, look, it, I'll be honest, it was worse than what than what everybody saw and what they thought. It was really unfair that some of the guys were even out there, and all the butt whoopings that they took last year should, should help them this year. Um, they, they really feel good about the depth, and I think for Oklahoma State, we've had two straight years where throughout the season they've had injuries and depth has been a problem. If Oklahoma State's offensive line can stay healthy, I'll be interested to see what, what they're able to do there this year. Um, before we get to Matt Wells, because I do want to talk about Matt Wells and Texas Tech a little bit, let's take a, let's take a quick uh, break does your team make the cut? We're here to decide. Hey everyone, this is Jahan J. Roger from Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and I'm here to invite you to the brand new college football playoff show. Cleveland.com columnist Doug Maurice and I talk playoff year-round on this twice-a-week podcast with topics like, what does Oklahoma need from its defense to rise to the top? Does Iowa State have the best running back of the playoff contenders? Does Texas deserve to be in the conversation to start the year? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at CFB Playoff Show. All right, so Matt Wells, who look, I, I'm not going to act like I, I'm not a person who believes that come 2022 there will be a new head coach in Lubbock for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. It, it wouldn't shock me at all. But Matt Wells, uh, there's some people high shame. Um, Matt Wells did his best Lincoln Riley impersonation today. <laughs> Matt Wells want to talk about academics today. Want to talk about academics. Want to talk about a quarterback battle, and we all know who the starting quarterback is going to be for Tech. That that was the, and that was a big thing. Even Dawson Deaton, offensive lineman for Texas Tech, mentioned it as a quarterback battle. Like they were trained up, this is a quarterback battle. It's not Tyler Shuck's job yet, folks. It's Tyler Shuck's job. You didn't bring in the Oregon quarterback to to have a competition with Henry Columbia and a bunch of freshmen. Tyler Shuck is going to be the starting quarterback. Shuck. If you listen to this podcast, I'll keep reminding it's Shuck. I had to educate some other people today. It's Shuck, like S-H-U-C-K. That's the pronunciation. I know it's spelled S-H-O-U-G-H. It is a thing. It's not him making it up just because he wants to be called something weird. That's his last name. Yeah, you said it best when you said it was a Lincoln Riley impression because the same thing happened when Jalen Hurts transferred over from Alabama. And, you know, he was trying to get one over on people saying, oh, there's a quarterback battle in Norman, and we don't know if he's getting the starting position. You know he's not transferring from anywhere if he doesn't know that spot is his. So if you're getting a transfer from Oregon to play at Texas Tech, 
you know that he's going to get that spot. So, I mean, you can say good things about Henry Columbi all you want, but we all know who's going to be getting on that first drive come August, September. Is this the first year that uh, there hasn't been a quote-unquote quarterback? we got like three straight years that I there's know, a quarterback for, battle from Lincoln Riley. Well, we know at this point, I think he's kind of like, we don't need to, he had a whole season basically where he's started. We don't yeah. need to play this game of, oh, he might not get the spot again this season. Oh, no, he had to bench him for part of the game against him. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay, but I mean, look, this is Shuck's job, and, and look, I know he was asked the most about Tyler Shuck, and so a lot of his answers in regards to the quarterbacks were about Tyler Shuck, because that's what everybody wanted to know about, but he, he gave rather glowing reviews about Shuck, about who he was as a guy, who he was in the locker room, who he was with the other quarterbacks, uh, to the point that I, I, he made a comment, and I need to make sure I pull this up right. Uh, I think those younger guys, you talk about Bear, and you talk about Donovan Smith, those are the other guys in the quarterback room. Those guys have someone to look up to. They have someone in their work and work ethic and how hard they work coming in early to that meeting room and they're ahead. They already know what's going on in that day. Just the level of preparation, the level of intentional preparation. I think for high school guys, doing it for the first time is so key. You know what? We haven't had in that room. Now that is an element these young guys can look up to. I'm going to take this quote two ways. One, that's a really glowing review of Tyler Shuck and who he is as a leader and as a, as a, as a guy running the quarterback room. Also, how big of a dig is that at Allen Bowman? We haven't had this kind of leadership role in the quarterback room since I got here. Ooh, when he said that, I just thought, oh, no, that's not good. <laughs> I mean, if it's true, it's true. That's fine. But I, this is the problem with coach speak stuff is when they say coach speak things and can build someone up, you have to wonder, is was the unintentional dig at somebody else intentional or just – Oops, I didn't think about how that might be taken the wrong way. I, look, I'm not the biggest Matt Wells fan. I know most Texas Tech fans aren't either, so most of you aren't mad at, mad at me about it. Um, I, just, I just don't know what to take away from, from I don't know what to take away from um, I, I I thought he didn't do that well to kind of give people a reason to think that Texas Tech might have something up their sleeves. And so if we're grading coaches and we're going to give Sark a B minus, B, whatever, I think he got a C minus from what he did today. You know, all I remember from Matt Wells today is that he tried to convince me that Henry Columbia has a shot at the starting quarterback spot, and he wanted to talk about all the academic stuff they have going on at Texas Tech. So for me, that doesn't tell me a lot about your football program. Yeah, I mean, he did talk a lot about transfers. Texas Tech has a lot of guys who transferred in, and, and they talked about how you know, they, they look for guys he doesn't need a guy standing next to him on the sideline. He's got plenty of those already. What he wants is transfers who can come in and immediately benefit this team. Talk about year one, you know, they looked in the room and they said, we've got to get older. And, and so they've been trying to build this program through transfers um, and try and build it back up and back to a winning program. If that's going to work, maybe it's this year. It's year three. It feels like the year it has to work for Matt Wells. And, and, and as we've said, again, the transfers are going to matter. Tyler Shuck is the biggest one. Him. Sonny Cumbie is the new OC. What is that going to look like? I, I, I need to see it. I, I need to see it. I I did. I didn't come away feeling. I feel. Let me put it this way. Those of you who listen to the show or follow us on Twitter at Tintor Podcast, you know about our good friend Daniel Alexander's bet. I think it was like somewhere between five and hundred dollars that he's going to donate to a charity in Lubbock if the over does not hit at four and a half. That means if Texas Tech can't win more than four games this season. I believe, I forget who's going to match us for. I think it was over there at, the, at one of the Red Raider podcasts. And I'm sorry, guys. I, I know I should know your podcast name. And again, it's been a long day. Um, 
They hit Texas Tech, hits five wins. After today, I feel better about Daniel not having to fork over that money for the Open. Yeah, you know, at this point, if he was going to project 9-3 for Texas Tech's record. Who was that? I I don't know who that was. I heard someone had projected that, and I said, listen, I think you got those numbers reversed, buddy. I think it's going to be looking more like 3-9. and nine. Don't come for me, Texas Tech fans. But... You know, I'm not really, I, I can't say I don't have high hopes for that program based off of what I heard today. And I think that that's a loss. Yeah. When you come to Big 12 Media Day, your job as a head coach is to get people excited about your program, get excited about your season. Nothing he said today makes me think that Texas Tech could be in that middle tier. Agreed. Agreed. But you know who is undefeated? Oh, don't care. The most comfortable Again. vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere, including Texas gear and Texas Tech gear. Look, I'll put it this way. Uh, I believe the t-shirts for Texas Tech are better than anything Texas Tech will do on the field this season. I'm sorry. Uh, that was me. I mean, have you seen the Flying Tortilla shirt? It is fantastic. Of course, they have Texas. Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Baylor. The best vintage college sports apparel anywhere. I'm not. Guys, if you haven't been yet. And ladies, I apologize. Ladies, girls, get the problem. Like, I've been told not to say girls. I don't, I don't, I don't want to use that term if it's considered. I think if a girl is over 18, they should be called a woman. All right. Women, ladies, girls, if you're not over 18. If you have not been to Homefield Apparel yet, check out the best t-shirts, sweaters, and hoodies. And joggers, though they don't have any for branding specifics other than doggers, which they don't have in stock. But go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code 1012 TEN12. Get 20% off your first order. All orders of $70 or more get free shipping. Again, that's 1012 TEN12. Get 20% off your first order. If you hear a lot of noise in the background, that's because today they are breaking everything down as quickly as possible. So, look, I don't think we're going to get that out of here, but I don't want to be here too much longer. Let's wrap up on this. Um, the thing that sent everyone on social media just ablaze was some of the comments made by Greg Burks, who's the uh, Big 12. Uh, what is it of officials? The head of officials? The official of officials? I don't remember what the actual term is. The point is, they had talked about penalties. They are going to be emphasizing the, the coordinator. Well, they're going to be, going to be oh, the coordinator of officials. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. A taunting. They really want to focus on taunting. <laughs> Somebody asked about the horns down. The, 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 the phrase he said, and I want to make sure I get this right. If you do a horns down at a Texas player as an opponent, that's probably going to be a foul. If you horns, if you do the horns down at your crowd, that's probably not going to be a foul. And he wanted to emphasize the word probably. He said, notice how I said the word probably. Multiple times. Multiple times. The point is taunting. They don't want you taunting. I think it's one of those where if it's your fans, maybe you can get away with it. If it's uh, Texas fans, that's probably going to be taunting too, even though that's not a player on the field. Look, we could talk about how soft things are, whatever. I like, I'm all for letting them have fun. I don't care. Like, celebrate how you want. I don't love the standing over player when they're down on the ground. That's the one and the only one where I'm like, okay, you knock a guy, you stand over him while he's obviously on the ground and probably maybe he's injured or he's taking time to get up and you're just glaring at him. Fine through the flag, you're being kind of a dick. But other than that, please stop. Just let us let us have some fun. Let us enjoy the insanity and, and, and fun that is college football with horns down or whatever whatever gesture minus one you want to use toward I don't care. I wanna see someone do like the, the guns down for red raiders. Like I wanna see someone do that. What if somebody did that? What do you do? Can you do you have guns up, right? Can you do guns down? 
Is it straight down? You gonna holster them? I think the holstering's been done before. That's the one that Matt Brown got mad about was like the holstering. I don't know. Listen, the way I see it is football is probably the biggest contact sport known to man, besides rugby, probably. And the fact that you think that people aren't going to be aggressive or show that aggression in parts in between the play is ridiculous. And they're trying to do things that are taking away from the sport of football. Like, this is a very aggressive sport. So if you're, if you're not going to allow players to, I guess, compound on that aggression and use it to either power them or use it to empower others to play better, I mean, I don't, I don't know how they expect to kind of have these players go beat someone recklessly and then turn it off. And then go beat someone recklessly and then turn it off without saying anything. Because I understand it can be taken unsportsmanlike. I understand that, but at the same time, these are kids, technically, they're, they're young adults. They're probably not going to be able to stop themselves from saying things that maybe they shouldn't. But that's part of the sport. I remember when I played soccer, part of the sport is trash talk. Mm. And that just helps fuel you to be better. So, I mean, for me, coming from an athletic background, I'm just kind of like, I don't know how I feel about it. Especially since I remember a video I saw about Tom Herman and Sam Ellinger that were making fun and taunting of another Oklahoma player, and it was never, it's never been discussed. Well, they did it against, of course, the bowl game against Missouri when they were doing the fake backpack champ. That was also Tom Herman. Exactly, and so that can also be seen as a form of taunting. Now, my question isn't about horns down, but my question is, if you're going to say horns down is a symbol of taunting, then what do you do about that? Because that's clearly unsportsmanlike conduct. Agreed. I mean, I think that they're putting an emphasis on, on catching a lot of it more of this stuff, so we'll certainly see how that... There's going to be some flags, though, people aren't going to like for unsportsmanlike conduct. It's going to drive us all crazy. Uh, one other thing they talked about uh, cutting down on is trying to, to keep an eye on faking injuries uh, or feigning the injury process. And, and, and as we understand it, the way it's going to work is it, it's not something that refs will call in-game. Uh, it's a situation that would happen after the game. If a team feels like the opponent was feigning injury, and he mentioned, you know, having someone fall down so that you can stop the clock for an, an timeout when your team doesn't have one, which is a thing that happens, folks. We all know it does. There is now a, a process that, that will not be decided on the field, but reported and reviewed later by conference officials. Now, I'm not sure how that will play out as far as punishment down the line. I don't know if there's a fine for that, but it is something that they are going to be looking into, which is an interesting thing. I know the thing we all want is just better PI, but we're getting other stuff right now, okay? A lot of stuff about uniforms. I'm not going to dive into all that because I'm just sad that we will no longer see Sean Oakland midriff shirts. We just see a refrigerator, man. Baker Mayfield is quaking. Oh, uh, I mean. He's quaking somewhere. Uh, Baker's going to have to do something about all of his midriffs. He's fine now. Like he can he's, do whatever no, he wants. He's fine now, but he's. Yeah. But I think it's the legacy of the midriff that he's just going to be missing out on. You've never seen the Sean Oakland photo from Baylor. You need to go Google Sean Oakland midriff Baylor. Uh, just, I'm just, I'm just telling you, like, forget ba- Baker. That's, that's forget where, it, Baker. that's where okay. it was born. Okay. Um, overtime rule changes. Uh, starting in the second overtime, teams must go for two after a touchdown. And beginning in the third, if I understand this correctly, and if somebody knows it better, let me know. We're basically going to the soccer rules. Yeah. You just, you go for two until someone makes it and someone doesn't. That's yeah. it. I, we don't see many third over, three overtime games anyways. But I'm all for soccer rules. Basically, it's penalty kicks. Exactly. Until someone misses. I'm all for it. 
Well, it's the instead of death penalty. Things. It's first they go to death. Yes. Yes. And then they go to death. I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. You know. There was that seven overtime game between Texas Tech and LSU, or not Texas Tech, sorry, Texas A&M and LSU, and uh, well, <laughs> that was many, just too many. How many overtimes did we get in Red River this past year? Was it just was it three? It was. I think it, I think it was three. We would have had it. I need one. I need one game this year to get in the Big Twelve to get triple overtime, just so we can see this play out. No, absolutely. I just want one, so if, just so we can all have that moment and then move forward. If you had to see one, which two teams do you want to see? I mean, this is probably the easiest answer, but I kind of would be interested in like a OU, Iowa State kind of scenario. Possibly maybe TCU and Baylor would be interesting with those mm. defenses. Mm-hmm. I could kind of like that. I, w- I want to be two- between two teams who can't make it happen, so you get like six straight misses. <laughs> six straight stuffs at the, the goal line. With the worst special teams. Well, there's no field goals. It's just going for oh, two. Oh, there's no That's field it. goals. Oh, my gosh. So it is literally just how many how many times can you have a goal line stand in a row before somebody makes it through and somebody does it. Sheesh. I love the idea of it. I do. Um, okay, Christine, we're done here in Arlington. Um, we're all going to be heading our special way or different ways. I'll be hanging I'll be hanging out for a while with the fam, um, and so don't expect too much movement from me until maybe Tuesday. Um, Christine, uh one big takeaway, one final thought for, from you for this from this two days here in, in Arlington. You know, I am just so excited that this event kicks off the football season. Because every time Big 12 Media Day rolls around, it's when I truly believe that football is, quote, right around the corner. And so even though these two days for the media that are here can be pretty hectic and can be kind of exhausting, it is just so exciting that football is right around the corner now. We got to look into all the different teams here, and we can kind of know what to expect a little bit in the first couple of weeks, and then obviously talk about it more then. Mike Gundy was as comfortable as ever. <laughs> took off his shoes. Pretty sure you had a nice exchange with, with Gundy. Yes, I did actually. I uh, he took off his shoes to start the outbreak outbreak press uh, that he did at the very end of the day, and then he took off his jacket. And then he unbuttoned his shirt and and just like undid his tie a little bit to give himself some breathing room. And so I asked him, "Are you excited to take your suit off when you leave?" Because I I I'm the kind of person like for me personally, the second I'm not here, I'm putting on a t-shirt and shorts. Like that's just who I am. The second I'm done at work, I'm putting on the most comfortable clothes possible. So I assumed that he had a change of clothes, like in his private jet or whatever. And um, he was like, "Well, the president of Oklahoma State is with us. Have you seen her husband?" And I was like, "No, I have not." And so then he starts talking to me about some movie reference that I am too young for. And, Stripes. And another old football reference that I am also apparently too young for. And. Um, and just said, he's like, yeah, no, well, based on the look of him, I would not want to do anything like that in front of her. And uh, so, no, unfortunately not. But um, it was a really nice exchange. It just reminds me that, you know, Mike Gundy, I feel like, is kind of one of the people sometimes when he's at these things. He doesn't try to be anyone else. And I think that's why a lot of the players like him over there. Yeah, let me say, um, if you have movie recommendations for, uh, for Christine, just, just hit her up on Twitter. Um, <laughs> CB on sports. Give me all of your old movie recs. And let her know what she needs to add to her must-watch list. Um, I will say this. Um, Christine, you've been uh, a treat and a pleasure, and, uh, and I mean this I mean this wholeheartedly. Um, you have been awesome being here. I love doing this. 
it is out of my comfort zone, I'll be honest with all of you. Like, it's it's not in my comfort zone to go up and talk to people. Um, just not. Like, it's one thing for me to sit behind a mic and talk to people on Zoom. That's fine. That's easy. Going up to people and actually talking, especially in front of a large crowd or anything like that, and asking questions, is way out of my comfort zone. And, and Christine, it's right in yours. And you have been an amazing, amazing asset to have with us here in these past two days. And I am, I am thrilled that you were here, that you could join me. Pumped to have you on the podcast. Um, if, if I can give a little tease, I'm very excited for, for what is to come between you and the 1012, which we'll be announcing more things in the coming weeks. Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you um, for being incredible these last two days and really helping us out a lot. Oh, no, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for allowing me to represent you guys. This has been such a dream to be here. It's my first Big 12 Media Day. Couldn't imagine a better network to be a part of. <laughs> Keep going. Couldn't imagine a better podcast to be here with. And uh, just, just really excited again for what's to come. So we'll have more. No, I'm not going to edit. We'll have more on that in the coming weeks. <laughs> just... That's fine. I'm not. I'm just fine. Um, so with all that said, make sure and follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T, and then we're 12 the word podcast. Follow us on the gram at 1012pod. Christine, what's that uh, What's that Twitter handle again? At CB on sports. Okay. Um, like I said, we'll have Christine on more again in the very near future, and we'll talk about that again uh, very soon. Uh, we will be back with our next episode next Thursday. Hopefully we'll have a position group rankings. I'm not going to say which one or with who, because if I do, that will fall apart tragically like it always does. Uh, so rate, review the show, please. Five stars. Uh, if you do have any review, I will read it next time. And, uh, and thanks for joining us for these, uh, for these two days here in Arlington. Podcast Network.